Welcome to the Process Podcast. From new agent to broker owner. My name is Travis McClure. This is my co-host, Preston Guyton. Welcome to the Process Podcast. This is Travis McClure and my co-host, Preston Guyton. Preston, how you doing today, sir? Good, man. Good. End of the week. End of the week. Exciting yeah. week this week. Uh, we just celebrated our one-year anniversary at, at our parent company, Palms Realty. Yeah, it was exciting. We uh, we got photos done and and uh, came back and enjoyed some breakfast and gave some things away to the agent. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we typically do a sales meeting on Wednesdays. Uh, this past Wednesday, we had a group photo, which was kind of interesting. One year ago, there was one agent. Yeah. Right? And uh, our group photo, not everybody, everybody was there, but now we're at what, around 70 agents? 70, yep. So pretty good growth in one year. Um, had a good celebration around that. And uh, rolling into the fourth quarter of this year with a lot of momentum. Yeah, we, uh, we as far as Palms is concerned, I think we've brought on four agents so far this month. Um, then we have several others that we're going to be joining probably in the next seven to 10 days. So it's uh, definitely a lot of positives going on and a lot of positives because of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I, I want to say this too, because it's a question we get a lot on the leadership side of, of growth, Preston, is, you know, from an agent perspective, and it's a good question, you know, how big do you want your company to be, right? Or how many agents are you looking to add? And I know my answer to the question and I know we align with it. How, how do you normally answer a question like that? I mean, really, it, there's not really a number we we're going we're to stop at, you know, um, it's if, if they they agree with what we're trying to do and then we'll just continue to bring them on. I mean, the big thing is, you know, we have a system that is outpacing our realtor growth. So what we're doing with lead gen and, and, you know, allowing them to prospect and everything else that's firmly outpacing our agent population growth. So, you know, I think is, I don't think you really put a cap on it. Yeah. I, I, that's always the concern of agents and, and rightfully so like, Hey, is there still going to be leads for me? Right. And today they're, they're trying to feed their family and uh, you know what I mean? Pay their financial obligations, which real estate allows them to do that. Um, and when you say like outpace growth, you're talking our, our easy home search platform. Yeah. Yeah. So our lead gen platform and what we're doing to add, you know, add leads that opportunity, I call them opportunities. I hate to say leads, mm -hmm. but opportunities for agents to make sales. I mean, that growth is outpacing our, our agent growth and it'll continue doing that because we're investing the time, the money and everything else to continue growing that piece of it. Cause it's a big part of what we're doing. Yeah. And the, the other side of it I like to look at, and I always talk to agents about Preston is we look for the right agents, what we call, you know, the right agents for the right reasons in their business. Um, that makes sense with the culture of our company. Um, and that's the way all companies should operate. Not every agent is the right agent for every company and not every company is the right company for every agent. And I think through that interview process that we do as a leadership team, we're trying to identify that and help the agent that we're sitting across the table from identify that within us. Yeah. And I think that's important too. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think I talked about this on a post, you know, our, our anniversary post was, you know, we're not going to be for everyone and that's okay. There's a lot of great companies in this market. You know, I'm just excited that we're one of those companies now um, and, and we can be considered one of those companies. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, the, we want the right people that fit in and, you know, if they don't fit in, then the culture will, 
move them out. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to, if somebody's the right fit and the right person, you don't want to tell them no, if they want to join. So, I mean, if that number gets to be 100, 200, 300, whatever it is, I mean, we'll continue growing and we're growing outside of this market. So it's not only the Myrtle beach market. Yeah. And something talking about culture for us, something that's near and dear to our company and our company's culture and our, and our company's growth strategy is prospecting. Yeah. So I wanted to unpack a little bit of prospecting today. And I know there's uh, some agents within our company that I consult with, and we talk about prospecting quite a bit. And one of the topics of conversation I've had recently with an agent, Preston, is the difference between being rejected by somebody on the phone. That could be someone you're cold calling, a lead that you got, like from easy home search. So there's rejection or being, or just getting an objection that you have to handle. I want to break that down a little bit. Uh, but first and foremost, let's talk about calls in general, Preston. So every time I pick up the phone and I call a prospect, that could be a lead I got or it could be a cold call, there's four outcomes to every call, Preston. Four. So when I call, call a prospect, one of four things could happen. Number one is the best of all. They're ready to buy something right now. Yep. Or or what I what I define as right now is less than 90 days. Yes. Right? That's number one. Number two they're ready soon, right? And what that sounds like right now in the market is, hey, we're waiting until after the first of the year or we're waiting till the spring, right? We're not ready right now, but maybe like six months from now, right? So that's obviously a good lead or a good prospect that you want in your database. You have to nurture that a little bit, but that's number two. Number three is very commonly heard as just looking, right? Yeah. I call or any other objection that you might get. We're going to break down objections a little bit further in this call, but none of that is rejection, right? No. That's all just part of the prospecting process. And you have to work through that and talk to that. And of course, the fourth outcome you could get is flat out rejection, right? Like go kick rocks. They hang up on you. Yep. There's a couple other ways yeah, we could put that, yeah, right? We could, we could, <laughs> Say some other choice words, but we won't say. <laughs> no. But that honestly, and what I tell agents, that's not a bad thing either. No, I mean, you got to think too, like these people are, you know, with us. So we're not cold calling. We're not, right. you know, these are people that, you know, it's 2022. If they don't know when they register on a website and put in a valid email, a valid phone number mm -hmm. and a valid name, or maybe it's it's invalid phone number or valid email, or whatever. But if they don't know that they're going to get somebody's going to reach out to them, then they've been living under a rock. So <laughs> it um it's it's definitely you know these aren't cold leads we're calling. So I mean a, a majority of the people that you know you speak to when you're calling these leads, maybe they don't have the time right now. But majority you know uh, probably a small a smaller percent of them tell you to kick rocks than actually have a conversation. If you get them on the phone. Yeah, it is a very small percentage. But what I say too is like that reject. So every time I pick up the phone, I'm going to get one of those four outcomes, right? Yes. The rejection one is not a terrible thing. What it tells me is like, okay, I'm not going to invest any more time in this process. I'm actually glad they picked up the phone and told me that because, all right, now that person is off my list of people I have, I'm going to call or make follow-up calls with, right? I'm going to invest my time in however many other people are on my list to call. And I'm always... So essentially, every time you pick up the phone, you're looking for one of those four outcomes. Yes. Any type of call that you make. We want to break down a little bit further is what's an objection? Because a lot of times I find precedent talking to agents about, hey, how's your calls going? Let's talk about some of the calls that you've had. 
they feel rejected, but when you start kind of unpacking what they're talking about, what it is, is actually objections they're mistaking as rejection. Yes. So I'm a big fan of Jeb Blount. Uh, one of his best books, I think you could read as, as a salesperson, every salesperson should read Fanatical Prospecting. And he's written several other books, but another one I, I'm a huge fan of is a book called Objections. And Jeb says there's basically four different types of objections, Preston. They are, and we're going to break them all down in, in this episode. There are prospecting objections, there are red herrings, there's micro commitments, and then there's buying commitment objections, right? So a prospecting objection, pretty commonly, like, like I explained earlier, is just looking, right? Um, what's a common one we're hearing in the market right now? Waiting for the market to crash. Waiting for the market to crash. Um, and this, you know, this time of the year is obviously, you know, waiting for the holidays or waiting till the first of next year. Right. You know, you hear it waiting till the kids are back in school, waiting mm -hmm. for the kids to get out of school. So there's, you know, there's so many of them that are, that are delays, you know, to kind of delay them. Hopefully I think they they, they want you to not call them anymore or, you know, delay calling them. What happens, I, I mm. find Preston, when you make calls and I'm going to, I've probably used this example on this show before, but. It's the example of you walk into a store. I'm going to use Home Depot as the example. I know I'm looking for batteries, right? Salesperson approached me and says, do you need help? The natural response, 99 times out of 10, most people will give is I'm all good. I'm all set. I'm just looking, right? Yeah. Even though I have no idea where the batteries are at this point in the store, naturally we have a, a built-in fear of, of salespeople that they're trying to take our money, right? So when you make a call and, and say, hey, I saw you searching on our website, whatever the open lines of your script are, and you get that objection, just looking. It's a very common example. And I've, I, I've listened to call after call after call where if the salesperson asks the right series of questions, all of a sudden, all of a sudden that just looking becomes into a very specific time frame or plan that they had where some salespeople would have bailed, right? They would have saw that as rejection. Or if you ask the right questions to an objection, it's no longer rejection. Yeah. So, uh, and an example of that, if someone says just looking, a question I like to ask is, well, what time frame did you guys have in mind? Right. So I'm taking in the, the call off of sales, start talking about what they have going on in their lives. And a lot of times that, that conversation starts to unpack a little bit because the people start to feel trust and you, instead of trying to sell them something, have an interest in what they have going on in their lives. It's a much different conversation. Oh, yeah. So, and then, of course, to your objection, um, the one we're hearing very commonly is, hey, I'm waiting for the market to crash. Oh, yeah. What's a good question someone could ask to that type of objection? I mean, really, what what data are you seeing that supports the market is going to crash? Yeah. You know, I mean, what's, you know, what, what are you looking at that? Cause we're in the, you know, we're in the real estate business and, and we don't see that in our market and, and every market's different. You know what I mean? We're not seeing, if you're wanting to move here and expecting to crash, we're not seeing that data to support it. Yeah. And that's a, and, and prospecting objections are very common. And two things I love about Jeb Blount's book that he kind of breaks down is, is number one, to most salespeople, especially new salespeople, an objection sounds like rejection because you you sit down with the mind frame of expecting a no, right? And if you look at the outcome for every call, like the four outcomes, really only one of them is a no. The other three are still possible 
sales. And really the rejection isn't necessarily a no. I mean, you know, you just need to make sure you have the automations in place right. to where they continue getting information from you. And a lot of times, you know, like with us, the e-alerts are already automatically set up. So they continue to see properties, mm -hmm. clicking on properties. And sometimes that person that signs up as F you with a real email address <laughs> ends up turning around and giving you the real number or real name. Yeah. You know, so those are things to think about. Like, even if it's a no today, that doesn't mean it's a no six months from now or two months from now or three months from now. There's a reason why they are on there. I mean, with us in our market, I think I talked about this in a previous episode, we get a lot of people coming to this market. that are just searching because they were here on vacation. They go back, you know, they're here, have a great time. And they're like, oh, we need to buy a condo. And then they go back home and they realize they really can't yeah. or it doesn't make sense for their family to buy it. Um, but, you know, there's there's a reason why they're online. And, you know, even if they're saying, hey, we're just looking, you know, there's there's things you could talk to them about. You know, I'm here to support you and help you. If there's any questions you have on the website, I could walk you through how to navigate it and everything else. So there's definitely ways to continue that on for sure. Yeah. And the other thing I always like to do is when you're making calls, because the objections you're going to hear a lot change, right? As the market changes, the one we're waiting for the market to crash, that didn't that objection didn't exist a year ago. Yeah. Or maybe it did. You just didn't hear it commonly. <laughs> but um, and the objections you hear six months from now might be different. And a good thing to do, and I, and I consult agents around this that I work with, is to write down the objections you hear. Like write them down. As you yeah. get as you get the objection, write it down. Number one, when you hang up the phone, you can kind of mentally go back through and kind of practice, hey, I should ask this or I could ask that or oh, good job, I asked this. The other thing is when you start getting the same objections over and over and over again, guess what scripts and dialogues you know you need to practice? Oh, yeah. Boom. And it's kind of like what Brendan talked about and uh, yes. you know, write down the questions every single day, you know, questions you think you're going to be asked. Have an answer for them. Practice that answer. Practice that script. 365 days later, you've answered 365 questions. So moving on to the next kind of objection, and this is a good one uh, for real estate. So Jeb writes books. His books are sales related, right? They're not necessarily real estate directed, but they just correlate so well. Um, By the way, I have not read Objections. So objections. Have you read Fanatical Prospect? I have read that one, but I have not read Objections. Objections is a really good one. So uh, Travis talks a lot more than me, then that's why. <laughs> a lot of these principles are covered in Fanatical Prospect. Yeah. He just goes really deep on objections in the book Objections. The next type is called a red herring, which is an interesting name um, for an objection. But basically what it is, is a, what he calls a false objection, right? A good example of this in real estate is you're on the phone and someone asks, well, how much do you, how much will you charge to list my home? All right. How much do you charge? That's not an objection at all. Right. Some agents will, will then go down a rabbit hole of talking about costs. And this is where I use the term data dump. They will just start to data dump about costs and why it costs and this cost and that cost. Um, you want to talk about that at all? Because we've we've had this conversation on data dumping before. Oh yeah, I mean it's definitely it it definitely turns people. You know, when you start doing that, people just kind of fade. They don't listen, or, or you know, you don't give them a chance to mm -hmm. speak. So you're, you know, in these situations, you need to be a very good listener. And when you start data dumping, which is a lot of times because of nervousness, you know, and this is a question that is something that you need to ask yourself, right? The reason why they start data dumping because it might be a question they don't get asked very often all of a sudden it, it's thrown at them they're like oh what do i do now 
And, you know, I think data dumping a lot of time is kind of, it's kind of panicking, you yeah. know, you're getting nervous and all of a sudden you're talking and five minutes go by and you're still talking and they haven't said anything. Yeah. That's a pretty good sign that you're and the other term would be feature dumping. And I'll tell you what happens with that. Someone says, well, how much do you cost? Right. And you go down this path of, well, we charge X and this is Y, 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 right. And you're just giving them all these features. Some of the stuff that you're talking about might not be important to them. So they just blank out and all they heard was how much it cost. So that's why it's called a red herring. It takes you off of the conversation of your dialogue that you're, you're, you kind of want to stick to, right. To get through that sales process. And Jeff gives an, an acronym if you do get a, a question like that. Right. And he uses P A I S pious. I don't know if, if it makes a word, but pious P A I S. He says to pause right? Kind of gather your thoughts, take a breath, acknowledge, be like, Hey, you know what? Cost is a, is a really good question. And he puts the word I, he says ignore, but really you want to ask an open-ended question to kind of move the conversation along. So an example of that would be, let me ask you this. What's, what's most important to you about getting your home sold, right? Listen to that answer and take the conversation that route or uh, or you can, after you acknowledge, just save, which means save it to the end. And you say, hey, you know what? Cost is a, a very good question. Let's save that for the end of this conversation. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the, I think the cost probably comes up a lot more on the listing side. You don't Absolutely. really get it as much on the buyer side. The next one, Preston, is, in my opinion, is the most important one of every call that you have is the micro commitment. Or on the agent's part, the failure to make a micro commitment. Um, Jeb says that most, and I believe this hundred percent, he says most prospecting falls apart because agents or salespeople do not ask for a next step. Oh yeah. They, and we, we push on this and, and always tell them when you're having a good conversation, do not get off the call without another appointment or another task, put in there or something, you know, if you get in for, I've seen a lot of them get information, they change the safe search and they do this and, and all of a sudden there's nothing else scheduled. Right. You know, and it could be as simple as scheduling, hey, you know, a week from Tuesday, I'm going to send this person a video text or, or tomorrow I'm going to send them a video text and say, hey, I really appreciated the our conversation. I'd love to help you and your family, you know, find the place that you're looking for down here. I just want to follow up and just say, hey, I, I'm, you know, I'm here if you have any questions, you know, something like that. And it's just little things like that, you know, that uh, that makes such a big impact that are 90% of the time overlooked. I mean, just like with referrals, you know, referrals, I feel like it's something we've touched on a lot in the past. And I just feel like it's just agents don't ask for them. Yeah. You know, the same thing with like why your family member ends up buying from somebody else. Did you let all, everybody know that you're in real estate now, you know, and those things. So I think, um, you know, I think it's, it's a lot of times they just don't ask. Yeah. And I think I a hundred percent agree with that. And what I find in terms of how this becomes an objection it doesn't sound like an objection, but how it becomes an objection is somebody's not ready to buy right now, right? And they're saying, hey, you know what? We're actually looking to probably come down the end of January, or early February, and we want to get serious about our home search then. And agent will go through, and I've listened to these conversations. Agent will go through the whole conversation. All right, great. Yeah. Let me know if you have any questions. Yeah. And they yeah. got to hang up the phone. And, 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 and what, where it. would you go with that? Yeah. Well, you know, I had a coach one time. He said, vague commitments lead to vague results. Yeah. Right. And since you want solid results, you got to make solid commitments. And the other thing a micro commitment 
creates, I'll just give you the example. Someone said, Hey, we'll be back the end of January. And you say, Hey, you know what? That sounds great. I'm going to touch base with you November 1st. I'm just going to be a call. Talk to you. We'll kind of see where the market's at. See how you guys are feeling. Uh, see what you guys have going on. That's kind of stuff, right? You just make that commitment. No, I'm going to go ahead and put it on my calendar, Preston. November 1st, I'm going to give you a call. I even go as far as I would send them a calendar invite. Oh, yeah. so that sounds a little over the top, but that little micro commitment right there. And let me tell you what most realtors don't do. They don't call them back. When you call them back on November 1st, you just put a little coin in the bank we call trust. Yeah. Right. And you're, you're building small increments of trust over time. That's huge. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're having trouble getting kind of what they're looking for too and say that, hey, I want to buy in January, well, great. But, you know, if I could change your save search and set it a certain way that if this house came available, are you in a position right now to potentially fly down and take a look at it? Yeah. Like, what would that house look like? Like, would you, if the perfect house came available in November, are you still sticking to, hey, I'm coming in January and that's it? So, I mean, those are things you could do where, you know, the the person that's buying in January probably could still buy in November, right? And you would hate for them to miss out on the opportunity if if that property came available. So, I mean, that's a good way to, if they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll give you more details as it gets closer. You know, that's a good way to get more information from them. Just say, hey, there's, you know, there's a potential that this property that you would fall in love with could come available in the you know middle of November. So are you know would you commit to coming down or maybe take a look at it if 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 that's what happened? Yeah, it's good test of motivation. The other thing I think about too is micro commitments, and I know this to be true. If they're on your website or easy home search, good chances are they're on a bunch of other websites oh, too. Yeah, for sure. Right. And if you don't have that micro commitment to with them, or let me flip that around. When you have that micro commitment with them, and now they they see that property property on Zillow or Realtor, and a realtor reaches out to them and starts answering whatever questions, because that happens, very common scenario. And they say, hey, are you working with a realtor? Guess what that little, that micro commitment from one conversation that you have, obviously you're probably not going to have a buyer's agency per se in place, but that person is more likely to honor that conversation that you have because of that micro commitment. That's why I go as far as like, hey, I'm going to put it on their calendar. I'm going to send them a Google calendar invite and be on their calendar we have that little micro commitment that, hey, on November 1st, I'm giving them a call. So when that agent asks that question, are you working with a realtor in the back of their mind or even on their phone, or maybe they wrote it down too, hey, November 1st, that, that guy, Travis from Myrtle Beach is going to call us back. Yeah. Right? That little micro commitment might save a, a future client for you. Yeah. And the good thing too, like if you think about that and you're like, oh gosh, I'm on the phone, I got to go to my calendar and make a calendar invite and do this. The CRM that you're in should be able to do that. Yes. Like our CRM you know, the follow-up boss is connected to Google Calendar and you yep. just go in there under the client that you're calling, click on it, and you just set up the calendar invite and set up the appointment and it's done and it syncs with your calendar and it sends them an invite. Yep. And then it sends them a, um, you know, you could send them an email or a text the day before to basically let them know that that's coming up and you could send it 30 minutes before automated as well. Yep. Yeah, that's that micro commitment is huge. And I've said this, I know I've said this on this podcast before, and I say it all the time. Best practice with your CRM. Anytime you open up a, a contact, let's say open Preston up, we have a great conversation. I know I had a really great conversation because when I close it, there is some sort of next step in there for me. If you are getting ready, you just get off the phone, you're getting ready to close it, and you're like, you're not sure what the next step is with that person. Cause I'll ask agents, okay, they'll tell me about a conversation. I'm like, all right, what's the next step? Well, I told them if they had any questions, call me back. <laughs> and I used this. Well, 
vague commitment is going to get you vague results. Yep. All right. So make sure you have some sort of solid next step on in your in your CRM, hopefully on your calendar and with them as well. All right. The fourth type of of uh objection Preston pretty common one as well, especially among newer agents. Um, Jeb calls it the buying commitment. And what that looks like is somebody doesn't want to sign a buyer's agency agreement or they don't want to sign the listing agreement. You've gone through the whole process with them, maybe even met them in person, but they won't sign that agreement that you're going to move forward together. So what do you do with that? Well, I think that's where you, where you, especially with buyers, you have to have a really good process in place. And I think what that process looks like in that first time you meet them, you know, and I'm talking face to face and it could be even on a zoom call nowadays, especially in our market. A lot of people come from up North. You have to go through a series of questions with them. Number one, obviously we talk about the motivated, qualified, loyal, right? Are they motivated? Are they qualified? Are they loyal? And I think the way you ask those questions moves you towards this buying pin. And I'm talking from the buyer perspective. I could talk it from sales as well, but from the buyer perspective, the way you ask these questions and the order you ask them in is very important. Number one, and you you already kind of alluded to it, Preston, you said, hey, if we found that perfect property that has XYZ and has a huge backyard and has this, has that, and we get in the car on Saturday afternoon, are you ready to make an offer on it? That's question number one, right? Yep. That indicates you're motivated. Checking that box. Right. So the next question on qualify would be, Preston, let me ask you this. I want to make sure you're in the best position to buy that house when you get it, uh, when we find it. I want to make sure you're in the best position to buy that house when we find it. So are you going to be a cash buyer or do we need to put you in contact with a lender? Right. We're checking the box of qualified. And then from there, that's where you move on to loyal. Right. So you've identified their needs at the very beginning of the conversation. You've identified their motivation by asking them if they were ready to buy. There's a lot of different ways that conversation go. You've identified their qualifications by having that conversation with them. And now there's the loyalty piece. This is where you cover the buyer's agency. And I think anytime you have a buyer's agency or a listing agreement, you always want to cover it somehow face-to-face, whether that be in person or be on Zoom, you're going through the whatever that contract looks like. To me, these are the two most important contracts a buyer's agency and a listing agreement, you could fill out and sign with a client because it indicates, hey, we were going to have a working relationship and we're going to move forward on this together. Yeah, and I think it's definitely something with that. You know, so many of our our clients are coming in from out of town that it's definitely something you want to hop on a Zoom. Don't just send it to them and talk with them over the phone. I mean, get on a Zoom call with them. You know, we use Calendly. I would recommend doing that and connect it to Zoom and, mm-hmm. and you know, have them set up a 30-minute call or whatever and book it or or you book it or put it in the in the calendar. I, actually, you should do it, not them. And just make and just go through it, you know, share your screen and walk through that step by step and explain it to them and explain why it's important. And, you know, if you explain it a certain way and, that you know, they feel comfortable with you, 90% of people will be totally fine signing it. Yeah, I think the key, especially with a buyer's agency agreement, you have to explain line by line because there's some stuff in there. If they read through it fast, it looks like they have to pay. It's South Carolina anyway. Yeah, it looks like they have to out of pocket pay you a bunch of money or something like that, right? And and what happens? I've seen new agents especially make this mistake. They send it out after they have a conversation or after they have the agreement that somebody's going to come work with them on Saturday and show houses, and they send them this buyer's agency agreement without going over it, like we're talking about. And all of a sudden they don't hear back from the person or they wait till the morning. They're going to take them out and show them properties. And then people are like, yeah, we're just not comfortable signing that. 
Yeah. Well, what do you do now? That's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not taking you in my car then. <laughs> yeah. How, how, does that, how does that work out? So that's why you have to have, and I call it, I call it just having a process that you use with buyers. You have to have a system in place. And that system really simply is, hey, we're going to have some sort of consultation meeting before we get together and look at homes. And I'll give you another clue. The fact that they will spend that time to meet with you, the fact that they say, yes, we want to spend 30 minutes on a Zoom call with you, or we want to come into the office and talk about our home search with you, or even... Again, if they're not tech savvy, hey, do you have 20 minutes we can spend on the phone and talk about your, your home search? The fact that they're willing to invest that time, that indicates that they're a serious buyer. Oh, yeah. Right? It's the people that's, that don't have time to do that and they just want to come in on Saturday and look at a handful of houses or a house. Those are the people where it's, I would have some hesitation around of, of how serious they are or if they just want to see homes. Yeah. Right? They have, have half a day available for to look at houses while they're on vacation. Yes, Exactly. So have that process in place, right? That's where that's where you get past that buying commitment objection is having that process in place. If you don't have a process, you're going to fail when that person comes. And just to recap, it is ask for a meeting. We want some sort of meeting before before we take them out. You're going to go through the series of questions. Are they motivated? Are you If we find a perfect house, are you ready to make an offer? Qualified, how do you plan to pay? Loyal, hey, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm investing time in, in my clients and this is my fiduciary duty towards a client and you cover that whatever state you live in versus customer and you cover that whatever state you live in I, i'm wanting to make you a client and this is what that entails and you go through your buyer's agency agreement that's how you have that process in place and get that buying commitment don't just send the, the buyer's agency agreement and hope for the best no yeah that never works out <laughs> no so that, that breaks down objection versus rejection. I think the number one thing I just want to say at the end of this episode is when you get off the phone, you feel like, hey, I had a bad day of making calls. That happens, right? It happens to the best of any agents. Ask yourself, was I truly rejected or did I just get some objections? Meaning those people just weren't ready right now. And and think about it this way too. There's It's not only phone calls. Like You need to follow up with text. If they didn't answer, send them a text. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have some agents that do really well with, you know, they'll call, they don't get a, get a message or, or get somebody on the phone. You know, send a text message. Some people respond better to text messages. Send them an email. And the big thing is like most, I think the, the statistics show that a majority of people stop at two or three phone calls. Yeah. Like majority of them, yeah. yeah, majority of them stop at two or three and that's all they make. So make five or six, seven or eight. You know, we, we tell our agents that, you know, if you don't get them, we have it, we have it in the CRM where they change it and it reminds them to call text email for the next six days, you know, day one being the first day. So it's actually seven days and it's 21 touches in mm -hmm. seven days. And that's something that works and it sounds a little bit overwhelming, but if you get one good lead a day or two good leads a day or whatever it is. I mean, you're only talking, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes to get through 10 or 15 people a day. I mean, it's not, it's not something that that's, it should be part of your day and it should be part of prospecting, not only chasing the new leads that are coming in, but also going back to the ones you already received and continuing to follow up. Yeah. What I do with some of the agents I consult with Preston is, you know, after we go through that, that process, right. The call, text, email for seven days, we have a couple other steps we do for the next seven to 10 days. Maybe it's a call a day for seven days or something like that. Um, but then we then add them to what we call our 30 day call list. So let's say like we didn't get one of the four responses, right? Meaning we, we just got nothing from them over the course of 10 days. They go on this every 30 day call list. And what we do as a group with some of the agents I work with is we actually get together 
and we pull that whole list out and that's our prospecting for today. We go through that whole 30 day list and essentially they stay on that list every 30 days. We're trying them again. So we get one of the four responses. Yeah. And you usually, if you actually follow that seven days for the three touches every day, you're going to get some type of response. Normally 80% of the time, 70%, whether it's uh kick rocks or, you know, you have the wrong number or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get something when you're sending call, email, text, you know, doing it for seven days straight, you're going to get some kind of response a majority of the time. Yeah, you're right. Honestly. Um, and an agent I'm working with right now, we were kind of digging through his database and of the majority of the, the leads, let's say he got 10 leads in the last week. I would say majority of them, he's gotten one of those four responses. So very few actually make it to that 30 day list. Yeah. But they're not just because they didn't respond. All that means is they're just not ready right now. That's right. Right. Guys, that's all I have for you today. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you soon.